Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast on Pandamanga.com. I'm JP. As always with me are my fearless co-hosts, Joe. Hello. And Marcus. Hello. Back with us again, a treat as always, we have the admin. Hello. This week we are actually going to have a little bit of a treat. For a while now, we haven't done a creatives discussion podcast. And they're easily some of our most popular and some of our favorite to do. So we have been thinking about the subject of artists, writer, creative block for some time now. And Joe and I have dealt with a little bit of that. And we'll probably share some of our exciting journey. (laughs) Uh, But as we were coming to a close to basically a bet we did with each other to like no television, no video games for a month to sort of make us time for art and writing which we we came to after a Q&A with Sergio Argonis where he basically uh, called out this writer and he's like if you're not writing 3 hours a day you're not a writer and you never will be. Mm-hmm. And we were all kind of like convicted. Oh yeah. And so afterwards we're talking and and I would say maybe a week later we were sitting around having having lunch after yeah, recording still with Marcus talking about it. And and uh, Marcus was there with his sketchpad talking or talking with his fingers. Mm-hmm. No, he was there sketching and we were all sitting around having lunch and we we're just saying like, man, we, you know, find more time to do creative stuff. And then, nah, nah, nah. and, you know, we realized that we were just really getting in our own way, which is really yeah. very much how it works. And we'll come to that later. But we ended up making this bet with each other, this agreement, this accountability adventure, basically to do no video games, because video games are really an easy way to suck up lots of sort of random spaces mm-hmm. that you have and just use up all the time. It's because there's no end and there's a sense of accomplishment. And so it's really dangerous and it can be really inspiring and useful and awesome. But if it turns into something you do to avoid working, which it can do and which we were doing, it's time to stop. So we stopped for a month and we're on the other side of that now and feel compelled to share our experience and also uh, talk a little bit about just creative block in general. So as we do when we have our creatives discussions, we actually have what we call the Geek Life Brain Trust. Now, this is a special secret mailing list. Well, not so secret because I'm going to tell you who's on it, but <laughs> it's a it's a special mailing list that I've set up with a handful of the comic writers, artists, creators that we have featured on the show over the years and have uh, developed a little bit of friendship with, you know, some correspondence back and forth and supporting each other, you know, ongoingly instead of just one shot, talk about the comic and be done and, uh, you know, develop some relationship with some of these guys and really have a lot of respect and for their work and, and their opinions. And so because of that... We created this brain trust mailing list where basically a couple of weeks before our podcast, we send out the question that we're going to be talking about and hopefully get some emails back. And we got, I want to say, seven emails back this time, so a bunch. So we got a lot of information to go through, so we're going to endeavor to be brief and efficient because I don't want this to go forever and turn into a two-episode subject like it did before. So we'll see what happens, though. We're not going to cut out a lot of the good stuff or stop our thoughts if it's uh if it's really you know excellent mm-hmm. so we may just go to two we'll see yeah but honestly it's just hard to get creative people to stop talking it's mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of the thing <laughs> so um so we reached out to our amazing and ever-growing geek life brain trust to get some sage advice from our favorite comic creators we've met doing this crazy thing called the podcast and uh, we got some good responses so the first question is how do you overcome block creative block specifically so I'll, uh, I'll start the ball rolling. 
And what we'll do is um, is we'll kind of go around the room and share our thoughts about that, and then in between we'll we'll shoot in some some you know select passages from the emails that we got from our mm. different different creators, and of course plug them shamelessly because they are not only really excellent and generous with their time, but very much worth your attention. So first, in my experience, the best way to get over creative block is to just keep creating. I know that sounds weird, but you know whether it's drawing or writing or film or dance or whatever, just don't stop. Of course, you got to have something to draw or write about or whatever. You have to have a subject of some kind, but uh, you know that's not that hard. You know, artists just look at the world around you. You know, use Google, photos, people, everything. Find a subject. It's not that hard. And similarly with writers, you know, just find anything. Stream of consciousness. What you're going to do this weekend? What you did last weekend? It doesn't it? Doesn't really matter. Just get words on paper. And I think you'd be surprised how quickly you'll blast through that seemingly insurmountable wall of block. And specifically with writers, one of the really good ones, I think, uh, especially if you're struggling with a subject, because sometimes that's what it is. It's we don't have uh, know what to, to write about or what to draw um, is to play some some games. You know, we've gotten mm-hmm. together and played some some great writing games where we basically choose a handful of different things out of a hat and cobble together some crazy random story. But it's kind of nice because not only I mean, I guess it is sort of challenging because sometimes they don't seem to fit up at all and you get these wacky, goofy stories. But the fact is, is that you're in a very friendly, happy environment with people you trust and enjoy each other's company. Then you can share a good idea and you can basically just write and not worry about it being your story or it being good or bad. It's just it's going to be goofy and you don't have to worry about what it is. You don't have to come up with it because everybody just came up with a bunch of random ideas yeah. and they threw them into a hat. I mean, there's lots of different writing games, but that's just one of them. But it's just a, it's a really good way to just kind of get the ball rolling. And so I guess my big takeaway, and I'm, I'm getting to where I'm repeating myself, so it sounds like it's time for someone else to talk, but the best way to get through the creative block is to just keep creating. Don't stop. Whether it's for a little bit or a lot, just just keep going. Don't stop. I forget that there's a quote from somebody, and, and I believe it goes, you know, if you, if you feel like you can't paint, then by all means paint. And that's it. Hmm. That's the answer. It is. It really is. There's a lot more to it, and we're going to get into digging deeper and different perspectives. But I would imagine that that is kind of the core of it, is that you you just got to keep going. So yeah. anyway, who's next? For me, pretty much exactly what you said. I just have to make crap. It doesn't matter what I'm writing. And it actually usually helps the but worse it is. Does, it does, didn't, doesn't Pinku say, get the fail out? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you have to make, you have to be willing to make just awful, horrendous garbage. Mm. Because if you can do garbage, then the only place you have to go from there is up. Sure. So it's that fear of doing the garbage that really gets us. I mean, so much of this is centered around fear. Yeah. If you feel like you're writing a shit and you write some shit, well, then the next time you write, maybe it won't be shit. It, it's it probably just, won't be as bad as that shit. Yeah, it's just a matter of being a being comfortable with your lower end, so that you can you can make more and you can go different places than that. Just seeing your shit, dipping your hands into it, and going and washing it off later. I'm glad you added the washing off part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just dipping your hands in some shit, and just all over your face. So, no, no. so a little advice from the. The Brain Trust, our first person on the Brain Trust today is Sean McLean of Loop Comic and Underwhelmed Comic. Not long ago, we did a podcast about that. You can go to podcast.panamanga.com and in the search bar, look for Loop Comic or Loop or Sean McLean or anything, combination of those, and you will find the podcast. And it's just a really good comic, and we highly recommend you guys check it out. And so we talked to Sean, and here's what he had to say to the question of how do you overcome block? It's hard to overcome it. 
When I'm having a hard time with it, I try to walk away and do something else for a while and let it process in my subconscious. Then when I come back to it, I have a fresh take on it. I think the trick is not to think about it. Let the answer come to you. That sounds weird, but if you're focused on something, sometimes that causes the block in the first place. You kind of just let it sit in the back of your mind and fester. That was my strategy for getting girlfriends in high school. Just let them sit in the back of your mind and fester. (laughs) (laughs) Just try not to get girlfriends. Eventually they come. You wore a leather trench coat in high school, didn't you? I did have a leather coat. (laughs) Yeah. And and a little awesome mustache. Or no, not mustache. You had the the, the soul patch, was it? I had the soul patch and an eyebrow piercing. Sweet. You were were hot stuff, hot stuff, hot stuff. So, Admin, what's your take on this? How do you break through block? Now, for those of you that don't remember, because it's been so long mm-hmm. since we've had her on here, which we're going to try and change, mm-hmm. try and drag her out here with us. We'll tempt her with delicious food. That was for you, Ethan. <laughs> He's just sitting at home really angry now. <laughs> so, the Admin, she is a game art and design instructor at the Art Institute in Sacramento, California, and is also a game designer herself. And she's currently working on a project we can't give a whole lot of details about, but suffice it to say, she is more than acquainted with this challenge of creative block. Uh, you know, whether it's working on a model, working on a game document, working on a, a you know, a, a pitch, working on coding, like there are just a huge amount of challenges and problems that you have to have a creative and spry and flexible mind to find a way around, even when you're talking about video games, which at the end of the day is just another way to create. So share with us what you do when you hit that wall. So just as you mentioned, JP, I am actually working uh, on a game right now. So I, I am very deep in development. And this is something that I've been dealing with pretty constantly throughout the last several months. But I feel like as a game developer, I'm almost cheating uh, as far as overcoming creative block. Because when you're working on a game on your own, there is so much to do. And it really comes down to how I overcome creative block is if I'm stuck on one thing, I go to something else. And I'm extremely fortunate because I could still work on the same project, but there's just so many different things that I could be doing. If I have a hard time working on a 3D model or if I'm working on a texture and it's just not working, I go and do some scripting. My way of breaking through is doing something drastically different, forcing my brain to think in a different way. Mm -hmm. Because more often than not, once I've kind of jumped tracks, I'll be able to see the problem that I was having more clearly. And then I could approach it in a different way and kind of get through and get back on track with what I was having trouble with. And it sounds like game design is sort of uniquely perfect for that because there's so many different sort of fragments of that process that take a bunch of different skills. And it's so different. I, I can't tell you how great it is to be able to code and do art at the same time. As a matter of fact, in general, if you're an artist, I highly recommend learning how to script because it just uses your brain in a different way. It doesn't matter even if you're just going to try and make your own website from code. It just makes you get out of the artist mindset mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. into something a little bit more analytical. Sure. Well, let's check in with the Brain Trust. Next up is Jala Prendis, and you can find her work on neonskiesstudio.com. Again, of course, all these links and thank yous for everyone that sent in uh, messages from the Brain Trust will, of course, be in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you look back a little bit from a few episodes back, we talked about Jala's project, the prologue to Salemore, talking about a guy who passed on and decides to avoid judgment with death and ends up becoming a shade who is forced to walk the earth. So Jala says that... In response to the question of, how do you overcome creative block? I review my old work, finished pieces, sketchbooks, etc. I find that seeing ideas I have had in the past generates fresh ones. 
For me, looking at someone else's work is less helpful because it's not my style and my thought process. Thus, it requires more work for me to extract the kernel of what I see in another writer or artist's creation and then own it. Now, that's an interesting perspective. It's not something you hear a lot. You, you, people seem to always kind of go outside of themselves for inspiration, mm -hmm. outside of themselves to kind of kickstart that creative process. But Jala recommends, I mean, obviously this takes you having done work that you're happy with in the past or even maybe not happy with, but having a backlog of stuff. But you know, I, I find that that's actually really excellent advice. Kind of in the middle of all this, you know, video game fast, I went back and looked through some of the pages of previous comics that I've worked on that I was really happy with. And it just, it just in, incited this fire in me. Yeah. And I think that's a really excellent and interesting advice. And I think that as we move forward, we're going to find that Jala has some maybe unconventional advice that's actually very insightful. So, yeah, I think I've unconsciously done that before. Sure. Like just open up files in my old writing that I don't even remember writing and reading through them and then just being inspired to write afterwards. Next up from the Brain Trust is John Gemply, which recently we talked about his comic book DOS, D-A-S-S, -S, which you can look on the iOS app store and find a really excellent comic that is just so worth reading. It's really a bunch of fun about Petter DOS, a incredibly badass was a Lutheran clergyman who was also apparently a freaking wizard. And monster hunter. And monster hunter. So totally awesome. So here's what John, John had to say. He says, as a full-time game artist and comic book artist by night, there is not much time for any block at all. In my full-time job, I am expected to always come up with interesting designs for my client. And in my comic book work, I push myself so hard that there hasn't been much block yet. Now, I know I'm not going to try and convince you that I never have block going on. But I've learned to live with it, and I find the most important thing to do is just change the way you think about the problem. Like in my job, I am doing a lot of cars right now, for the last one and a half years, actually. And I get really bored, and it's hard to reinvent yourself all the time. But if I take some time doing something else, these cars will linger in the back of my head, and sometimes that is the way to go. Other times, it's just talking to other people. Don't think your project is so precious that you can't even talk to other people about it. Some of the best artists I see out there are people who are surrounded by others who criticize and judge them. If you can take that without losing your nerve and try to understand, you are going to grow fast as an artist. And I do believe that the more you draw, the less you'll have any blocking of the imagination. Excellent advice, John. Thanks again for responding. It's always fun to talk to somebody who's not doing uh, only art on the side, but it's also your professional job because that is a whole other level, a whole yeah. other level because you are, you have to do it on demand. There's no mm -hmm. such thing as create a block. You don't get to linger around and not do anything for a while like some of us get to. Mm -hmm. It is how you make your living. That is so one must thing I've noticed is that people who create for a living, they don't get creative block. Well, they, they did at one point, but they blow through it. They know yeah. how. It's, it's, you know, you find a way because you can't pay your rent if you don't do it, you know? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, one more before we move on to Marcus's perspective. Uh, Madeline Holly Rosing, the writer of Boston Metaphysical Society, which you can find at bostonmetaphysicalsociety.com. It's a great steampunk sort of sci-fi, well, yeah, Victorian steampunk, crazy ghost hunters. It's just, it's a really bunch of fun. Uh, she has to say, as you know, I'm a writer, but I actually don't believe in writer's block. It has more to do with fear of failure, and that's what you have to overcome. You have to allow yourself to write badly and then go back and rewrite, rewrite, get notes from trusted colleagues and rewrite some more. Repeat previous several times. If you don't really know where the character or story is going, this is where it helps to have an outline before you start your script, novel, story, etc. Just keep writing. I often write what I call point A to point B scenes. 
knowing full well that one of those scenes, or both, is probably going to get cut, but it helps me to get where I need to go. Thanks again, Holly, for sending in your answer, and why don't we go ahead and go over to Marcus and see what Marcus thinks. So, Marcus, how do you get over creative block? I actually don't like to avoid it and think about other things. I like to keep my head on art. I'm fortunate enough that I live near a community of a lot of artists, and so I really enjoy getting close to those people, um, sometimes too close, and just like kind of soaking in their energy, stealing their artistic soul, if you will. And if there's no people around, then I'll put in a movie that's about an artist. I'll watch like Paul Giamatti in um, American Splendor. Mm, that's a good one. Um, Stripped just came out. It's a great uh, documentary about uh Yeah, I cartoonist. really want to watch that. Do you have that? No, I rented it from iTunes. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. We should all watch it sometime. It's really, really good. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Or... Another one, um, Dear Mr. Watterson, about Bill Watterson and Calvin and Hobbes, who's a personal hero of mine. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, masterful. You just look at enough of their art, and I, I don't know. The idea is to kind of just start to come in. Totally. Ed Show writes in. Ed is the writer of Little Guardians comic, which you can find at littleguardianscomic.com. It's actually a really fun comic, and uh, you guys should definitely check it out. It kind of has like a medieval sort of feel. I haven't read it in a little while, actually. I'm kind of having a hard time conjuring up all of the all of my memory of it. But it was one that we recovered early on and was just at a very high level. Mm -hmm. Definitely worth checking out. LittleGuardianComic.com. Ed says, when I get stuck writing a scene, it typically has to do with indecision. It's not that I don't know what needs to happen next because I follow a rough plot outline. But what stalls me is I don't know the best way to get from point A to point B, so to speak. I've learned to push through, even if it's not perfect, because writing is like having a time machine. You can go back and fix it. Isn't that great? That's good. This is uh, that that one line was a big standout out of all the letters I got. It's like, what a cool way to think of it. Really, writing or even really art, you can go back and fix it. If you don't like a panel, try again. The fear of getting it wrong the first time is totally silly because you can just put it out there. And even if you don't like it, you can go back like you've got a time machine and just keep fixing it. Nothing is final. Obviously, deadlines and things like that come in. And whether they're personal or professional deadlines, yeah, you got to work within those constraints. But, you know, by on a minute to minute basis, you have the flexibility to be able to just do it again until it's right, which is pretty cool. Ah, uh, yes. Our good friend, Lunar Baboon, which you can uh, find his work at LunarBaboon.com. I want to hear what he has. Uh, I'm a man. So for starters, the best way to avoid writer's block is to make a baby. <laughs> Any kind of baby will do. Just carrying around a baby made of twigs and Lego will pu we'll put new ideas in situation. Wait, will put you in new situations that lead to fresh ideas. If babies aren't relevant to the story you want to tell, then I suggest making lists, lots and lots of lists. Write down any ideas you have, good ones, bad ones. I find the act of getting the ideas out of my head clears the way for fresh ideas to flow through, similar to how the male genitalia works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My man, okay. Lunar Baboon. That, Hence just, making babies. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, so good, so good. Finally, we've got Joe Flanders. Joe Flanders. He's the writer and illustrator, actually, of Ninja and Pirate, oh, one of our yeah. very favorite. So Ninja and Pirate, you can find it at ninjaandpirate.com, and it is a great story about a ninja and a pirate living together in an apartment complex in the modern world. It's pretty great. Lots of really, it's kind of like a buddy comedy kind of thing. And it's just, Joe has such an incredible way of, you know, creating this just really funny stories, really funny situations, and just hits the mark over and over again. And an almost kind of uncanny amount. And you'll see by this really hilarious answer that the guy has just the, the comedy chops. It's really incredible. All right. So Joe says, how do I overcome block? Well, it's a tough question. Usually I have Mario inch towards it, and when it comes crashing down, I run away. 
Then, as it's rising back up, I make the fat little plumber sprint as fast as his sausage legs can carry him. Although, I may be confusing that with something else. Artist block is a bit more difficult. Sometimes it comes in the form of writing, of drawing, or in the form of interpretive armpit farting. It's a growing field, don't knock it. Let's say I'm next, let's say I'm writing the next ninja and pirate. Things have been difficult lately because this chapter is just going to be one-off gags in a shameless effort to generate more readers. So I can't think of anything funny. Crap, what do I do? Well, first thing, I isolate myself so there's no external stimuli to distract from the process. Then, truth be told, I procrastinate. I listen to a comedian or look at goofy pictures online. When I'm alone with my thoughts running rampant, as I look and listen to things, I will generally find some form of commentary that proves slightly amusing. Then I work that idea over and over. Inspiration can come from anywhere. I remember once I was going to the aquarium with my wife, and while looking through the various undersea critters, I noticed that all of the eels had a constant look of surprise. Then I farted. In the reflection, I saw I had the same face as I giggled and snorted like an idiot, while those standing downwind of me choked, gagged, and passed out. Sensible Joe took over. He smacked me and said, This place is a marvel of engineering. All this water is constantly searching for a way to come bursting out, and look at the evolutionary marvel of these creatures. Nowhere else is the diversity of organic life so apparent. Manta rays are like bizarro world kites. Doofus Joe was back by then. My point being that the creative process can be sparked by anything. Just make sure you're being receptive to said spark. In terms of drawing, a block is a lot easier to get over. Once you jump the creative hurdle, as in what to draw, what medium, the scene, etc., perhaps your hand is acting a lot like that Idle Hands movie, except it's not funny at all. So it's actually acting a lot like that movie. <laughs> anyway... The best way to overcome the block is to practice some basic warm-ups until you can get back to where you were. The best way I can think of is to think of an emotion and then draw a sack of flour. That's not a joke. Anthropomorphize a sack of flour to fit the emotion. Make it stand angry, slump sulkily, pose seductively. Your life has not been complete until you have drawn the sexy flower, believe me. This really helps you get back to the swing of things. Do it once, twice, then 12 more times, or 13 if you've just got to have that round number. Five is round, right? Thanks, Joe. Your, <laughs> your, uh, your response was as funny as ever and actually very insightful. I love that idea, that, that exercise of drawing the flower. That's awesome, right? I mean, you pretty much got two arms and, and two legs, and you can kind of tweak the head. And I mean, that's just a really interesting idea. And, you know, what a cool idea to, to just kind of get the creative juices flowing. I mean, it's a simple object, probably very easy to draw, but to pull interesting poses and emotions out of that, it's a very cool idea. In traditional 2D and 3D animation, that's actually the first thing that you learn how to animate. To it's try... like a flower? Right, to try and communicate emotion. So yeah. it's a really great idea to go back to that point if you ever feel stuck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick musical break as we get into our second question when we get back. Stick with us. You're listening to Geek Life, talking about defeating creative block. In Sexy Flower.
Welcome back to Geek Life, the indie comics podcast. We're talking about defeating creative block. The next question is, what do you do for inspiration? First, let's look to Sean McLean. Sean, again, is from underwhelmedcomic.com and loopcomic.com. Sean says, I get inspiration from other comics, TV, movies, etc. Also, from articles on sci-fi, real science, alternative science, real life. Inspiration is everywhere, but sometimes it's not as obvious. Something that you think you'd never use ends up showing itself later. It's good advice, man. Very good. Thank you again for sending in your answer, Sean. Um, I'll go ahead and start the round in this one. For me, I enjoy looking at other artists' work that I really admire. I also like to read, play limited amount of video games, and play RPGs with friends, and do studies. Studies are a big one. You know, pick a subject, because that's one of the biggest challenges to try and, you know, get forward and get through and beat past all this, is that most of the time the answer is, we'll just create. And so for me, I am able to take away that sort of challenging bit of like, what am I supposed to draw? When I just go, I'm just going to do a study of hands. And I just get a sketchbook, and I'm like, I'm going to fill this bastard with hands. I don't have to worry about what it is that I'm drawing. Then you can just type hands into Google or just look at your own hand or hold someone else's hand and hold them hostage. It's just easy. So, you know, hands, poses, animals, whatever, just pick a subject and then just do a study on it. And it's nice because then you don't have to worry about what it is that you're going to draw. And you can just keep on going. And just the the workshopping of that really just sort of blasts you right through. And it gets you, gives you something to do. And, you know, really just get back into that. So, you know, I'd imagine you could do the same thing. You know, pick a subject and write just a ton of short stories about it or something like that, you know, from lots of different angles or whatever. But I'm sure Joe might might have a better suggestion for some kind of a some kind of a workshoppy type thing you can do for writing. But, you know, find some way to just workshop your skills. Sometimes that's really just a good way to get some inspiration and just move on. So anyway. Next, let's look to Jala. Jala says, I meditate, do yoga, leave the house and explore a random part of town or otherwise relax. It's always when you stop trying to force yourself to generate ideas that you end up with the best ones. I find that when I'm in the shower or just lapsing into thought while driving, listening to music, or otherwise performing a menial task that doesn't require brain power, I can come up with all sorts of new things to do. Exposure to fresh subjects via photography trips, i.e. gathering new reference material. Chatting with other artists over coffee or alcohol. (laughs) Diving into art slash craft stores and resale shops. Or learning about something new, going to a historical place you haven't been to before, reading about a new subject you know nothing about, etc. And reflecting these back into what you're interested in provides boundless new opportunities. So, Admin, what's your answer to what do you do for inspiration? Actually, a lot of what I really do is very similar to what we just heard about. Um, From Jala? Yeah, so just kind of part of what I do for a living, I actually commute up to Sacramento. I, I live down in Napa. So I spent a lot of time in the car. And once you have your body doing something very boring that you don't have to spend a lot of time focusing on, it gives your subconscious a chance to really think about other things. Mm -hmm. That brings Mm -hmm. on a lot of inspiration. Uh, Aside from driving, um, I'm a big believer in shower thoughts. So, you know, when in doubt, take a shower. I think that should just be every artist's statement anyway. But (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying that artists are stinky and disgusting and unclean? You're the one who said it, not me. You're welcome. (laughs) But no, really, just getting your mind off the subject at hand and just focusing on something very mundane helps you think of new ideas. Uh, I also run a lot as well, and that's a good place. But really, I I think I have some of my most brilliant ideas in the shower and the challenge, of course, is to remember them by the time you get out. Mm, yes, it's like a good dream. Yeah, you have the, uh, the shower coma going on. <laughs> so relaxed. It was so warm. <laughs> now it's cold and I'm wet. Next comes from John Jampley. 
Sometimes checking out other people's art inspires me. Sometimes it discourages me totally. But looking at projects that are reliant on art is nice, like video games or movies. You see the art in a setting where the product wouldn't be anything without someone like you behind the curtains. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Not just looking at straight up exactly the same medium you're doing, but look at something that depends on art, that the art is the structure or the, you know, the stabilization beneath it, the, the foundation, mm -hmm. you know, that it really wouldn't work without you. People like you. It's kind of cool. It's yeah. a good idea. That's actually what I do. Mm, is it? Go ahead and tell oh. us about what you do. So I actually like to look at things without story. Since I'm a writer, I like to you know, look at static art or listen to music or you know, see dance, see something happening that doesn't have a story structure behind it. And that gets my mind working on what I could make that story into or what I could incorporate that stuff into my story and make it more rich, more real, and just, you know, feel like I'm writing something that that's real. Awesome. Awesome. Next up, Madeline Holly Rosing of Boston Metaphysical Society says, inspiration isn't too tough. All I have to do is look at the world around me and say, what if? Then I go from there. Most of it leads to nothing, but sometimes it can be fruitful. Ed Cho of Little Guardian says, I find inspiration in everything I read or watch, books, movies, comics, or any narrative medium, whether they're good or bad. If it's a good story, like the original Star Wars trilogy, I try to dissect what makes it good. How are the scenes and characters fitting together? If it's something terrible, like the Star Wars prequels, for instance, I think, how could I make this better? And why is it so terrible? So Marcus, what is your, your answer to the question of what do you do for inspiration? For inspiration? I don't actually seek out inspiration, to be honest. Um, it just it just teleports into your mind no, from a different there's just, dimension. No, there's just so much like media and crap and stuff all over the world. Facebook and Tumblr and Twitter. And if you if you're a, a junkie of the internet like I am, <laughs> there's just enough crap. You're like, oh wow, someone did uh, the Michonne from The Walking Dead, but as a Muppet baby. And I'm like, <laughs> I bet you I could do that too. And <laughs> it, you know, it's um, I kind of sound like an asshole when I say that, don't I? Yeah. I don't look for inspiration, but it's true. I mean, um, I guess. It is everywhere around you. That's the thing. Yeah, I, I guess it would just be, I mean, I look to media. I look to uh, out, external media mm -hmm. to give me ideas. Lately, I think my, my newest kick is I found an old, old book of um, Grimm's fairy tales. Oh, uh, cool. You know, and the stories that they were pre-Disney. And it's interesting, the changes that were made from one to the other. And so I kind of been do doodling little old fairy tale guys. Old, old fairy stories. tales are great. I, I picked up a book of old Japanese fairy tales, which are very different and very interesting. And... And really inspires a lot of, of creative and interesting ideas, writing and, and drawing wise. You know, sometimes there's some crazy characters in those. And you're right. That's a great idea. You know, dig into the, the fables and stuff. Nice. Luna Baboon writes in and says, writing public transit, listening to podcasts, attending funerals, grocery shopping, jogging, reading, reading while jogging, putting music. <laughs> I don't advise that. <laughs> <laughs> putting, putting new music on your music player, watching TV, seeing a therapist, making mistakes. Having regrets and spending time with loved ones are also all great activities for bringing on new ideas. Finally, Joe Flanders of Ninja and Pirate writes in and says, For inspiration, I like to look to what inspired me in the first place. For example, I'm working on a comic based around the incredible song 2112 and... Nice song. Good call, man. <laughs> 2112 and when I'm in a slump, I return to it and listen to it, imagining everything in my head like I did that first time. This will get me all pumped up to do it again. For anything else, I actually like to sleep. I get a lot of inspiration from dreams. Truth be told, some of my funniest bits come from when my mind is in near shutdown, like when I'm just waking up. 
At that point, your thought process is groggy, but not bogged down by pesky things like sensibility and logic. Also, I'm a lazy good for nothing. Excellent. So the next question, the next question is, what are some practices that help keep you going ever upward? Excelsior! I did write that. I'm totally cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> it still worked, though. I don't uh, think yes, it came sir. off as dumb as he mm. thought it was going to. So first up is Sean. Sean says, Sean McLean from Underwhelmed Comic and Loop Comic. I'm not sure I really have any practices that keep me going. I just enjoy doing it. But when I'm not feeling it, it really helps when I get someone to say that they really like what I'm doing and to keep it up. And that is a huge part of what we do here at the Geek Life Podcast. And it's almost sort of a, a happy, unexpected coincidence. You know, we just really wanted to talk about things that we were interested in and share cool new comics with people. But there's been more than once where I've seen our little tiny podcast talking about someone's comic and it inspires them. It uplifts them. It, it lets them know somebody's paying attention and somebody's really giving it a serious look, not just thumbing through it, chuckling and then moving on or just sharing it carelessly on some social media network, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But, you know, when we go in and we really dig deep into comics and I really feel like it, it, it gives a creator a little boost. Or at least it seems so anyway. Yeah. You know, give them the knowledge that somebody, at least a couple people anyway, sitting in an extremely hot room full of foam and microphones, you know, really has taken some serious time to deconstruct their hard work. That's pretty, it's pretty neat. I'm so glad that that has happened and get to observe that and be a part of that. Because, I mean, what does it cost to inspire an artist? A whole lot of nothing, right? But I mean, inspiring an artist is like the, one of the best things you can possibly do with your time, in my not so humble opinion. Let's see. Next up, what does Jala say? So Jala Prentice of NeonSkyStudios.com. She says, always change up what you do. Don't be afraid to experiment with new media. Try collaborating with, teaching, or critiquing others as all of these inform and expand your own capacity. Always keep yourself on the edge of your own comfort zone because the moment you lapse into what's comfortable, guess what? All you're doing is treading the same ground over and over until you're in a rut. Join an art society, even if it has nothing to do with the specific thing you do. Get together with other artists or writers, either in person at a cafe or other laid-back hangout or via Google Hangout. You can screen share what you're working on now, watch YouTube, play games, etc. That's really cool. You can screen share. You can see like what someone's working on on their computer. That's really slick. She continues, get out into the world and see what's going on in the comic shop, at the con, in galleries, at the fairs. Wherever creativity is found, don't limit your horizons to just the comic field, and you'll find that you have new and different things to offer, which sets you apart from those with narrow scopes. Remain open and receptive and actively seek feedback. Talk about your work. It focuses your brain on your goals and interests. So, admin, what are some practices that you do to help keep you growing, keep you moving on ever upward? This is another situation where I'm just really lucky. I have students that are constantly asking me about new things in the field. Being a teacher, man, there's just nothing like that to sharpen your skill set and the way your way of understanding and describing things. It's, it's so funny. The general thought of a, a teacher is that they're somewhat static in their skill set, but at least for digital art, that is the opposite of true. Sure, sure. Students constantly challenge you to stay on top of your game. And trust me, there's nothing more terrifying than walking into a classroom where you're supposed to be at the lead and seeing a student better than you at something that immediately, <laughs> like, oh, no. whenever that happens, I go home that night just knowing that I'm not going to sleep because I, I need to get better than my students again. <laughs> uh, and a lot and of then other, there's those students that just, yeah, no, the, you, you got to draw the line somewhere. Every once in a while, you'll walk in and find a student who is just the Da Vinci of one thing or another. And you just walk away. It's fine. There's always going to be somebody better than you. And you just try and desperately hide the fact that you're not as good as them. Especially but, when you have to be the teacher, that's got to be a trick. 
Yep. You know, what's really great about teaching artists is that at least at my school, everybody recognizes that somebody, uh, everybody is a genius at something. And that doesn't mean that like you have that. to be that's perfect. It, it's really great. I think that's one of the reasons why I love Sacramento so much is mm. there's this understanding that you don't have to be perfect at literally everything, which mm. is great. It's awesome. But yeah, I, I am constantly challenged by my students. So I'm always out there actively trying to improve my skill set so I can improve their skill set. Awesome. John Jampley writes in from DOS Comic. He likes to think about how easy his life is compared to others. John continues, my wife is from Honduras which has the most murders in a country in the world that doesn't have war in it. And I visited two years ago. There I saw a lot of shit, and whenever I get frustrated of not being able to draw something cool, I just think of how shitty people have it and how fortunate I am to be sitting here in Norway having these luxurious problems. So, in other words, I don't dwell on problems too much. I really like what John's saying here. I think that sometimes we get lost in these first world problems, mm -hmm. these luxurious problems to have. Like, oh, I just can't think of anything to do creatively in my time. I, I'm just playing too many video games and mm -hmm. watching too many movies and going out and having dinner with my friends. And it's like, shut up. <laughs> you know, if you really, you know, think about it, like these are pretty luxurious problems to be having. And we're sitting around here, all this expensive equipment, all this free time. We just went and, you know, had food somewhere. I mean, it's like, we're just, it's this such a first world problem to have, you know, oh, I'm so creatively blocked right now. And it's kind of nice. Like I, I get the, I get the sense that, you know, thinking about that and putting it in perspective like that, maybe, maybe sort of jars you back to reality and, and, you know, can let, kind of let you get over yourself. You know, I, I, that's a really good, it's a really good point, John. Next up, Madeline Holly Rosing has a, has a short comment and she says that she highly recommends getting formal education in writing. She says that when you get a formal education in writing, it'll teach you skill sets to always fall back on. Like what we were talking about just a little while ago when Joe Flanders mentioned drawing the bag of flour. And then admin said, oh, yeah, that's one of the basic things they teach mm -hmm. you in animation. It's like that's one of the things that's so great about formal education. There's a lot of self-taught people out there. And that's great. You know, and formal education doesn't have to necessarily happen in a college. There are all yeah. kinds of wonderful online programs, live, you know, live or otherwise, correspondence, things like that, getting involved in a group of people. I mean, yes, you're definitely great to be able to have access to a good college and the resources to go there and everything. But there's a lot of good, you know, formal or maybe not so conventional, but still formal training to be had that really will equip you with tools to be able to, you know, fight through these kind of challenges that, like we said earlier, if you're a professional artist, you know, you don't have the luxury of having creative block. You have to have tools to push through. Mm -hmm. uh, on the inverse side of that, though, I have had formal training in writing, and it is probably one of the most useless tools I've picked up. <laughs> it's the exact same things that you will learn in one night in a creative group, hmm. in a writing group, just bouncing ideas off of other people, uh, playing writing games, you know, writing things that you aren't comfortable with. That's basically what you get in a, an entire semester of a creative writing class. I think she I've also taken might, a couple. Well, I think she might also be talking about being able to sort of rely a little bit more on some conventions like structure and things like that so that it can help you push back. But I don't really know. I'm not really a writer. So I just I'm assuming that because I mean, I feel like she's a very accomplished writer. And I yeah. think that, uh, you know, definitely there's definitely value there. Yeah. Whether or not, you know, a formal college education is the only place to get it or not was what I was kind of just arguing earlier. Yeah. But, but the things you learn, there are tools that you need. Not so much. You learn more about your style and how to write prose by reading. Mm, interesting. And you learn how to get comfortable writing by 
involving yourself with other writers. There's really not so much you can learn in a classroom setting. Hmm. Aside from... Thus saith the Joe. Well, my personal opinion and my personal experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You read and you write, and that's how you learn to write something that people will read. Ed Cho from Little Guardians writes in and says, I try to write in quiet places, or if I'm in a loud coffee shop, I put on classical music. I find rock and rap music, which is what I usually listen to, distracts me too much. I also set writing times, and even if I don't feel inspired, I force myself to write. Once I get into the flow, I'm usually productive. It's kind of like going to the gym. Getting there is half the battle. Marcus, what, what, what is a practice that you like to keep to help you really keep growing as an artist? Uh, well, for 2014, it's been my daily drawing journal. What an yeah. amazing journey that's been. Just mm -hmm. draw every single day. Uh, and actually, you know, having the daily drawing journal with the very small places, uh, uh, spots to draw in, makes it sort of a challenge to just put an idea out there, get it on the page, and get it to fit within that confined space. And it actually motivates me to draw bigger pieces. Which has happened. You, like, draw that and you're like, I, I, I just got to taste. I need no, more. I got to draw a Cyclops, you know? like. <laughs> Let's see, what else? When it comes to writing, this is going to sound like the stupidest answer in the world. I swear to God, I just try to write stuff that sounds pretty. Like, huh? <laughs> like oh, when I'm writing, I'm like, does that sound smart? Uh, yes. Okay, that'll work. And like, does that sound like the <laughs> stuff that usually goes through my head? Yes, I got to change that. One thing that I found recently as I'm stepping into playing more tabletop role-playing games, like, you know, Dragon, Dungeons & Dragons style, uh, friend, a group of friends and I are putting together a Dresden Files role-playing game. And what we're doing is basically rotating whoever is the game master, the dungeon master, per campaign. So one person crafts an entire campaign and, you know, works with whoever is next in line to be the, the DM after them to sort of segue smoothly. But but really, it's it's that one person's story and they get to tell their whole story. The entire group gets to enjoy it and really not know what's coming and, and go through all of that experience. And then after that campaign is finished, you know, a little bit of rest happens and then bang off to the next one. And it's someone else's turn. And then whoever was the DM last time gets to actually be a player. And this is going to be the first time that I've ever DM'd anything. And sitting down and talking with uh, our friend, the 8th Henry, who is a super duper veteran DM, it's been really fun because it's, it's like such a safe place to create. You know, you have sort of a structure of a different world that, that you didn't have to come up with all the nitty gritty details. You can just kind of, you know, move the pieces around in an interesting fashion and try and come up with something fun and cool. And, and what you're doing is you're just trying to create something that, that you would think is cool and that you know your friends will think is cool and that you can't wait to share with them. And... Really, that's kind of what writing's about. And so I found that it was such a stress-free way to get the writing and creative juices flowing is you know, just playing a, a tabletop game and being the DM, coming up with a good campaign. It's, it's funny because you can't really, you know, really do anything with it. I guess a lot of people will sort of do their you know, Dungeons and Dragons stories in a comic book, but there's lots of those out there. But I guess, I guess like as a practice, which is kind of what we're talking about right now, it seems to be a pretty good way to sort of just shake things loose and, and, and do it without any expectation of it being anything but just chatting with your friends and hanging out. It like takes the pressure off somehow. Finally, Joe Flanders writes in and says, Well, once I get inspired to get working, I make sure to shut off anything that will distract me from completing the work. I shut off the internet, turn off the TV, throw some food to the hostages, etc. Finally, I will put on old radio shows that are on CD or streaming. Of course, in that case, uh, the computer, the internet will be on. These shows are creative and engrossing, but only demand one of your senses. The ear one. The one with the listening and the sound and stuff. I can't remember what it's called. I also like to chew gum. It's a rhythmic activity that keeps my mental self syncopated in a cyclical ritual of repetition. 
If my physical self is busied by the constant chewing, hey, gum is hard, okay? I can't walk and chew gum or anything. What am I, a gymnast? (laughs) Then my mental self will stay leashed in. If listening to radio shows will inspire you to do other things, like they may me, put on some mindless music that you've heard a million times. I suggest Ashley Simpson. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I have any of those totally underrated in caps albums. Because I don't. That would be lame. Basically, do whatever you need to do to keep yourself in a drone state where all you think about is the work. Just make sure you're conscious enough to notice a doorbell ring or a dog needing to go outside or a renegade hostage trying to escape from the basement window. You know, the important stuff. Thanks for writing in, Joe. Again, you're just freaking hilarious. Okay, so we're running a little long, but I think we can fit this all in one podcast. Let's take one more musical break. And when we get back, we'll finish with our final question, which is, what is some advice you wish someone had told you about that old darn artist's block when you first got started being a creative person? We'll get into that when we get back. You're listening to Geek Life. Stick with us. Welcome back to Geek Life, the Indie Comics podcast, talking about defeating creative block. Our final question is, what advice do you wish someone had told you about that darn old artist's block when you first started being a creative person? First, I'll go. I would say that, and this is really huge for me, is separate admiration from comparison. Mm. Admiring other artists' work is great. It gives inspiration, is exciting and entertaining, and just plain wonderful to see what is out there in the world. Admiration is great, but comparison is poison. The only thing you should be comparing your work to is your other work. Comparison between you and another artist is a toxic line of thinking and will quickly lead to discouragement in your own work. Admiration is for anyone's work, including your own. Comparison is for only your work. I can't stress that enough. So much of what we talked about here, about inspiration, practices we keep to keep us going, all that, involves dipping into other types of media, dipping into other artists' work, seeking inspiration and and a thrill and, and a bump from that. And that is awesome. But you must keep it in the inspiration category. You must lock your mind into that way of thinking. Do not get into comparison. 
because comparison can very quickly lead you to, oh my God, they're so good, I'm not good enough, blah, 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 blah. I mean, some, some basic like, oh wow, they did this really technique and I wanna try that. Oh wow, they did it really well, I wanna try and seek and kind of meet that. I mean, that's one thing. And so you get kind of into a foggy space there, but really it's a pretty good rule to just not, not get into that comparing yourself with other people's work. Be inspired by it, be motivated by it, be challenged by it, but don't think, am I better than them? Are they better than me? That is a messy, dark path to walk down. Ad Meyer all day long, but comparison is between you and you. That's it. Sean McLean writes in and says, My advice for artists' block is just get up and away for a while, but don't shut down your brain. Just don't focus on it, and it'll come out eventually. Jala writes in and says, and Jala is sort of an interesting case because she does a gajillion things all at once. She says, Hmm, given that I bounce from project to project, working on all of them constantly, slowly but simultaneously, I really can't say I've suffered much artist's block. At present, for example, I have all kinds of projects, and she lists out here over 10 projects, some of which are including all kinds of different things. Oil portraits, watercolor, painting on glass bottles, working with mixed media, creating costumes, short stories, all kinds of stuff. She's just constantly jumping around to all these different mediums, but at the same time still creating. She continues on after describing all of them. I'm sure I have more, but at any given time, my studio is a flurry of all manner of styles, media, and creations. I keep myself fresh by rotating from one to the next. I will work on one heavily and then back off, switch gears to a different project to avoid burnout. And I think this really goes well with what you were saying earlier, Admin, especially with something like creating video games, because there's so many different kinds of skill and art involved that you can bounce from one to the next and avoid that burnout of just all the same over and over again. Absolutely. Speaking of admin, what do you wish somebody had come up and put their hand on your shoulder and said, admin, little tiny baby admin? <laughs> if I could give you a little piece of advice to help you destroy that terrible artist's block, that terrible creative block, what, what did you wish someone would have just, you know, what kind of wisdom do you wish they would have spoken to you? Well, first of all, I wish that somebody had walked up to me and said, little baby admin, because <laughs> that would have been hilarious. I wouldn't have gotten and the reference. confusing at all. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have understood the reference, but I, w- I would have appreciated it. Now, um, really what I wish people had suggested to me when I was just starting to learn the trade was if you get artist block, that's perfectly fine. You could walk away from that subject, but don't walk away from creating. Mm -hmm. Kind of like what Jalo's saying. Absolutely. There's nothing worse than just stopping, you know, the whole bodies in motion thing. You spend so much energy trying to get back up to the point where you're moving along where you were before that it makes your life even harder. Mm -hmm. So step away from the issue that's causing you mental anguish, but don't step away from creating. Go to something else. Not that I've been needing to use them lately because I've been so busy, but when I was working on just standard art pieces, if I ever became kind of artistically blocked in the digital realm, I would go and actually do like physical art. I, I would crochet or I would just you would do sculpt cross- too, right? Yeah, I yeah. would. So just anything that's still creative, but different. Just never, ever stop creating no mm, matter how much you want to. John Jampley writes in and says, draw something else for five or 10 minutes. If that doesn't work, play some video games, read a comic or watch a movie that inspires you. If that doesn't work, give it a few days. If that doesn't work, give it a week or even a month. If that doesn't work, shoot your brains out since you're basically useless. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Madeline says, my biggest piece of advice is to try not to write. If you're tired, it usually comes out as garble. It's actually really good advice. Mm. Definitely. I was listening to Chris Oatley's ArtCast, which everybody should listen to because Chris is the bomb which you can find at chrisoatley.com. And one of the things he was saying is that he found that he was much more artistically productive if he went to bed early and woke up early. 
because you know a lot of the time what we're doing is working on our our individual projects our personal projects in our free time so we have to box out time for it and still make space for going to work dinner family friends all that stuff and so we kind of do it in the in-between times right we do it at the end of our day we do it sort of in between things we'll maybe do it in the morning before we do anything else that sort of stuff that's the domain of the sort of independent creator that isn't using their personal self-owned creative work for their money or their income. And one of the things he said was, you know, go go to bed early and wake up early. You know, when you wake up, get that cup of coffee, you're not on the other side of an entire day's worth of work and challenge and physical and mental and emotional exhaustion. You get to be fresh and then you get to draw and create fresh. It's a really good idea, I think. And I found that is a way good way to go. I do much better work when I wake up early, give myself a cup of coffee, flip on some jazz and start drawing. It's much more effective for me than trying to create at the end of the day. Now, and the different people work different ways, but basically find when you are at your creative peak because there will be a time and there will be a slump also. And so, you know, some people do better at night. Some people do better in the morning. But I would definitely say that, you know, kind of piggybacking on Holly's idea here. You know, don't do it when you're in that slump, when you're in that sort of like like creatively, metabolically low sort of zone, mm-hmm. because it'll just be a bunch of bleh. And what you want is you want that springy, sharp, elastic mind. And, you know, whenever it is that you get to accomplish that. And for me, it's the morning. But, I, you know, I know for a good friend of mine, Chaz, and probably the admin, that's going to be the evening time. Yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said find what your actual time is. Yeah, because yeah. the most I can do in the morning and years of trying here, the most I could do in the morning is drive and stay on the road. That's it. Right. And that, I mean, that really ties into what she's saying. She didn't say wake up early. That was Mm -hmm. my way of doing that. But basically what she's saying is don't write or really don't try and create when you're tired. Mm -hmm. When you wake up in the morning and you're just an absolute zombie, you're tired. Mm -hmm. Maybe in the evening, your mind is more spry and you're ready to go and you're not tired. That's when you should do it. It's when you're not tired, not necessarily a time of day. Ed Cho from Little Guardians writes in and says, the biggest change I've made as a writer is to create a plot outline. I heard this advice a long time ago, but when I was younger and cockier, I used to point at my temples and say, it's all up here. There's no need to write down what happens later until I get to it. Over the years, I've learned having a roadmap keeps me more efficient because I know where my story is going and have to edit less later. Very good advice. Yeah. Speaking of writing, Joe, what kind of advice do you wish someone had given you? I wish someone would have sat me down and told me that writer's block is an excuse. It's not an actual condition. It's what you're using to justify that you don't feel like writing or that you're not inspired right now and that you just have to find a way around it because it's not going to magically fix itself. It's not going to go away by itself. You actually have to actively get rid of this. If you can't write, then by all means, write. Yes. Lunar Baboon writes in and says, I also never sit down to draw unless I have my idea ready to go. Sitting down and starting at a blank piece of paper only leads to feelings of inadequacy and failure, which leads to sadness and writer's block, or the inevitable comic about writer's block. Sitting down with a decent idea and getting right to it leads to feelings of success and happiness. Serotonin is released in the brain, bringing cheer and new ideas. Finally, Joe Flanders writes in and says, it is beatable, and it's different for everybody. Everybody's mind works in a different way, so no one process will be a cure-all. Find yours. Make sure it works and stick to it. You will eventually train yourself to get to a state of mind to lock in the inspiration for as long as you can. Or salivate when a bell rings. I can't remember which one did it. (laughs) Finally, Marcus, what is some advice you wish somebody had given you back when you first started creating? I wish someone would have told me that uh, sometimes the risks pay off and uh, that you can... Sometimes, if you're feeling a little ballsy, go straight to inks. 
Right. As I found out this, like, this is another re- revelation of 2014 with the sketch journal. I decided I wasn't going to draw any pencil. And there's a lot of times where I'll draw something in pencil and I'll be like, that's fantastic. And then when I go over and ink the final version of it, it's not as good. <laughs> Isn't that frustrating? Um, but like, no. when I do the inks, I just go straight to ink. Sometimes I have little happy mistakes and I'm like, wow, that looks really good. And I'm glad that I started there. So yeah, just, you just risk have, to lose have it, some baby. courage is what it sounds like. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is it. We managed to keep it into one podcast episode. I'm proud of ourselves. There's a lot of subject to cover and a lot of good conversation. Thank you for sticking with us to the end. Again, I'd like to thank our Brain Trust contributors. First up is Sean McLean. You can find his comic at underwhelmedcomic.com. Be sure to like Underwhelmed on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash underwhelmedcomic. You can find his other comic, Loop Comic, at loopcomic.com. And again, like it on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash loopcomic. Be sure to follow Sean on Twitter at Doyle Comic. That's D-O-Y-L-E Comic. Next up, thanks again to Jala Prendes. You can find her work at NeonSkiesStudio.com. Like her on Facebook at neon sc- at Facebook.com forward slash NeonSkiesStudio and follow her on Twitter at NeonSkiesStudio. Nice brand recognition. Gotta love that when someone has it all clean like that. Next up, thanks again to John Jamply, who created the wonderful comic DOS. You can find his homepage at www.dazz.no. So that's daz.no. Like his Facebook page on facebook.com forward slash herdas, which is H-E-R-R-D-A-S-S. And of course, you can find his comic app on the iOS app store and just search for DAS, D-A-S-S. Next up, thank you so much, Madeline Holly Rosing, for sending in all of your great advice. You can find her comic online at bostonmetaphysicalsociety.com. Like her Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Boston Metaphysical Society comic and follow her on Twitter at M Holly Rosing. That's M H O L L Y R O S I N G. Thank you, Ed, for writing in. Ed is the writer of the comic Little Guardians. You can find his comic at littleguardianscomic.com. Like his Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash littleguardianscomic and Twitter at L Guardians Comic. Lunar Baboon is at lunarbaboon.com. Like his Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Lunar Baboon and Twitter at Lunar Baboon. Finally, Joe Flanders of Ninja and Pirate. You can find his work at ninjaandpirate.com. That's ninja and A-N-D, pirate.com. Facebook.com forward slash ninja and pirate comics and Twitter at ninja and pirate. Thanks so much for everybody that sent in their wonderful advice. We really are enjoying utilizing your great amount of just sage wisdom and skill and just... All the knowledge. All the knowledge. It hurts. We can pull the knowledge from it's your brain so and put it on the internet. Yeah. No, really, thank you guys. You really helped to make such a more robust conversation and, and just really bring a lot to the table and, and help our podcast to have a lot more to say when we come to these discussions. Because, you know, we all have our own ideas, but it's really great to hear from other people who are really out there and making it work in the creative world. Just thank you so much for, for sharing. Thanks for listening. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor can contact us at contact.pandamanga.com and fill out the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artist and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is the admin, and we'll see you next time.
This week we're gonna be actually. <laughs> Can I pretend wow. like the train was my noise? <laughs> was my witty comeback. <laughs> Back with us as always, our co-host Marcus. <laughs> I'll be the motorcycle. <laughs>